Mastermind Media. It's the greatest water I've ever drank in my life. Sure. It's water. Or is it? <laughs> and I walked over and I said, can you, can you effing believe this, that we are here right now doing this? And he's, I'll tell you something, Juice. I think back in the day we forgot to enjoy it. And I was like, damn. That's, that is 100% true. If you divide people on if it's great or not, then you've done your job. You never want everybody to like it. Um, and now I look forward to that. I look forward, like, and it also creates more more heat because everybody's, it's the friction of everybody going back and forth. This is amazing. No, it's not. You grow up one place, you live in that place, and then you die in that place. You know, I only moved to California, but my experience level is massive compared to a lot of people I grew up with just because I moved. Yeah. I love Shut that you're doing your thing. <laughs> do that thing. You're that so thing. good. You're so good at it. You're in your joy. Mm-hmm. If there's one thing, we're going to do our thing. It's going to say, that's the thing. Welcome, everybody, to the Rodriguez Project here at Mastermind Media. Uh, first time, two time guest in front of me. I'm the first time, two time guest? You're the, yeah, you should get a t shirt. I really first should. I'm first time, two time. The best two time, the only two time, the first time two time. That's right, that's right. Tom Batelson, everybody. Boom. Back, we did an Thanks, episode buddy. not too long ago, and uh, it was quite different than this. Um, <laughs> it was awesome, though. I had such a great time. So did I. I thought it was really funny. Yeah. I, I don't know if it is funny when I see it now. It is. It's really funny. Okay. I've been told by people that are close to me. <laughs> I've asked people that are uh, that give me their honest opinion, but it was no, it's cool, man. Because listen, I I was scared to smoke weed my since high school. Um, never brought it into my life, and then I needed to sleep, and it really helped my sleep. I feel like it saved my life in that chapter of time, um, and uh, also just I always wanted to take the benefits from it. I didn't need to be smoking all day, every day, or anything like that. Um, but for me, when I started really seeing what the ideas would come from it, I was like, oh wow, this is I love this. I'm a big fan of it, but I yeah. didn't start until my 40s, and I realized I think that's the way you should do it. It's ter- it's terrible to tell young people like you shouldn't do this drug that I think is great. I think yeah. it's fantastic, but if I didn't, yeah, saving it for your your elder years has well rounded my thoughts on it and how I do it and late at night and yeah, just opening thoughts, helping sleep, and just in general. Yeah, yeah. My my the biggest thing that I deal with on a regular basis it, um, is and it's it's great most of the time but being an extremist in everything i do if it's in fitness i'm like ah, let's do this shit yeah you're all you about know? the everything. if it's work all day every day um and then so slowly what, be, what was what was just to you know go to sleep and maybe some ideas at night became an every night thing for me but the every night thing would turn into the munchies which would turn into eating which would turn into no sleep which would turn into more coffee in the morning and it turns into dave's hot chicken most importantly. <laughs> oh god i miss it so much <laughs> we've had this discussion so much that when you're stoned dave's hot chicken oh calls god. you calls yes. calls the psyche it's like oh yeah please call me and eat this ridiculous chicken yes delicious uh, so I'm, I'm taking a break from everything right now because I'm focused my psoriasis is getting out of control and um, I needed to fix my gut so I'm doing this whole just clean eating and sleeping and doing all that kind of good stuff which I'm really happy with um, eventually I look forward to bringing back things in moderation you have done that uh, in your life before as long as I've known you every now and again yeah. uh, 
our buddy Trip calls it hitting the reset button. Yeah, yeah. Okay, time to reset and things. And people call it cleansing or whatnot. But yeah, allowing your body to catch up on stuff before you jump back into yeah all the awful all at once. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of reset, you don't you don't mind if I if I do this episode shirtless, right? No, please take off your shirt, okay. and I'll punch you in the abs. <laughs> I told Jai you would say that. Uh, yes, I will punch you in the abs if there's no shirt whatsoever. But it is funny that you say that because uh, I'm now working with a... Wow, you are wearing a Mr. Woodman shirt. Oh. Okay, so yeah, tell the, the folks at home what this is Jeez. right here. The Mr. Woodman Yesterday's Tour of 20, uh, 2023. From 1995 to 1998, before I came to L.A., I played in my most favorite band of all time, Due respect, because you're sitting right here, and you and I play oh, yeah, together. Oh yeah, yeah, no, good have to explain. From 90, 95 to ninety eight, I was in a band called Mr. Woodman, where I played harmonica and I sang backup and lead, and occasionally played the drums when the drummer wanted to play, wanted to sing, and I would play bass guitar when the bass guitarist wanted to play guitar, and we wrote songs and played songs, and we were a hardworking rock and roll bar gig band. We gigged at least four times a month, sometimes twice a week, Damn. and we were always working. Like for three years, we we put out a we put out a CD and we had tapes together. This was back when you had to have a, a a tape of your songs and then a list of the amount of people you could bring to a show. You yeah. had to have a mailing list in order to get people to come. And it's been over twenty years. And the pandemic, we started like everybody else, getting back on Zoom and talking to one another, and thought we should have a we should have a reunion gig. So the last time we played was November of 1997, oh my God. and June 3rd of this year, we went back to a place in Denver called Herman's Hideaway, which had our CD release party. And uh, when Herman passed away, we played at his benefit concert with a bunch of other bands. Was that 97? Was that in 97? Yeah, wow. And we played there a bunch. And so when we reached out to them and said, "Hey, here's all our flyers from when we used to play with you guys," and uh, wrote this nice long email, or uh, our bass player did, uh, and said, "Can we can we have a reunion show at your place?" And they said, "Yeah." So when I went to Denver and they opened up the door, and we were letting Herman's Hideaway, and there's some twenty something guy, and he's like, "Hey, what's going on?" When I heard you guys used to play here. When did you last play? We said November of 1997. He goes, wow, that's a year before I was born. <laughs> and I walked back. I had to go downstairs to the dressing room. And he goes, where are you going, chief? And I was like, uh, going to the dressing room. He goes, we moved those a long time ago. There are now three separate dressing rooms. You guys have your own bathroom, your own refrigerator, your own coffee machine, and your own thing off in there. So we went off and back. But the reunion gig, which the band got to practice when I wasn't there, because there's me and another lead singer, uh, Bobcat, who sings lead. And uh, he lives in Boston, and I live here in L.A., so the band was practicing for a couple of months. He's Bobcat, or were you Tomcat? I was Juice. <laughs> okay, you're Juice, I forgot. I was Juice. We all had nicknames, <laughs> and I was I was Juice. I still was. I was, yeah, I was yeah, Juice yeah. again uh, for a whole couple of days. But uh, So the band was practicing, we got together, and we did a reunion gig, and I posted... Uh, uh, some video I put together because everybody was just taping and I managed to go on Facebook and grab people's videos of one song and able to edit it together to a single video, which turned out kind of nice. It did. It was really cool. I love how, yeah, you went for the close up. Yeah. And I was like, oh, which is great. The last year that you've been like doing your own editing and stuff for, for the, the Tom Patelson show and everything too is like, it's like second nature. You know yeah. how to do it and you can knock it out. But you can go home again. Uh, there was, I, I was on stage and I said, I was, I've been waiting 26 years to say this. Ladies and gentlemen, please give it up for Mr. Woodman. Wow. 
I just got chills. And we played 13 songs, and I, you couldn't get the smile off my face, and I bounced around and danced 100% of the time. I was Rarely do you do something where it is everything you want. Where it's wow. everything you want. And my, my, my girlfriend right now, I had always envisioned doing this reunion gig, you know, 10 years ago, and singing to my California girlfriend who would be standing in the audience to say, the, you know, the kind of guy I used to be. And this particular girlfriend, uh, who I'm in crazy in love with, um, it was really nice to have her in the audience. That was the that was the the cherry on the, on the Sunday. That was the icing on the cake. Wow! Yeah, it was so great. That is no, I, I'm telling you. Yeah, literally, because oh. I, mean, I think I really think that's what life's all about. Whether it's just you know, it's being in the right place at the right time. And it's not like, oh, I'm here. And now luckily somebody else was, but it's like, you were able to put this together and there's nowhere else on this planet you would rather be than in that moment with those people singing those songs. Exactly. And the best part, uh, uh, so many best parts. One of the best parts was the bass player's son. His name is Jake. Uh, he's going to the Berkeley College of Music, plays guitar and drums, and he played with us. He played guitar. Oh, that's amazing. So the son of one of our members was there and that brought it all together. The poignant moment that happened for me was when we were setting up and people were starting to come in and they could see us setting up and everybody was getting excited and uh, Jambo is our rhythm guitar player. He's the oldest. And I walked over and I said, can you, can you effing believe this that we are here right now doing this? And he's, I'll tell you something, Juice. I think back in the day we forgot to enjoy it. And I was like, damn, that's, that is 100% true. We didn't think, you know, when you're loading up, I mean, here's an average day. I would wake up in the morning and I used to bartend at a place called Grady's American Grill. And I would bartend, I would get there at 10 o'clock and I worked 10 to four, which was the day shift. I would go home and eat something really quick before going to the theater because I was at the Denver Civic Theater performing Shakespeare repertory, doing uh, Henry VI part three and Richard III in rap. And so I would get dressed and things, and I'd go down to the theater at eight o'clock, at six o'clock, and I would act, and I would sweat and swing swords around and do those very violent plays, and then I was done. I had to quickly get out of that and put on my regular clothes to go to Herman's or Soapy Smith's or Cricket on the Hill or any of these bars and jump on stage because the band would be in this middle of the second set. Wow! And then we would play until two o'clock. And then we would wrap up the chords and go back to our place because we all lived in the same house and drink until four or five in the morning <laughs> and then go to bed and wake up and go back to work. Damn. I did that a lot because when, you know, you're a kid, you're indestructible. Yeah, that's what that's what you do. Oh. <laughs> it, the greatest, do. Also, uh, the shirt idea came from Jambo as well. Jambo and Bobcat on the back is the set list for the show. Yes, yes. What's, what's your, give me your top three songs that you, that you love that you, uh, that you guys play. Uh, Boom Boom is what we opened with, which was my song, uh, which is just a take on an old blues type song. And it features me on the harmonica. And uh, What You Like is our two chord reggae song, which is the one I pieced together uh, for Instagram which is just about, you know, love and sex and whatnot. And then um, I love the song that I don't sing on, uh, Hit or Miss, which was our album title, which is Jambo's song that he wrote. I think it's our best song. It's our funnest song, our most thing, and it's the song I do the least on. Oh, really? It, it, but it is our best song. Damn, that's crazy, too. So uh, mostly in the crowd, so it's like, was there people that were at some of your shows back in the day? It was filled with nothing but people from the shows back wow. in the day. I mean... Yeah, the average age was 50 years old. Like, everybody there was like, my God, last time we saw you guys play. And I was impressed that we uh, They told us 
afterwards, I said, we've, we have the record for ticket sales under the new management currently. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. So wait, so do you, do you see a, another show in your future? We sold it. We, we had 300 people there. Wow. We had 300 people to pack God damn. to see to see her and see Mr. Woodman. So what was the conversation like after? Was it like, all right, cool, I guess that was it? Or is it like, maybe we should do this once a year? Anything like that? Uh, that was a little bit of talk um, afterwards. Because we have a running group chat, which we have, which is always just great for the six of us to, yeah. to ping back and forth. I don't think it'll be a yearly thing, but it might be at least one more time or something. But if it, if that was the last time, uh, we couldn't have done any better yeah. for me. That was great. Thanks for getting this shirt. Oh, my pleasure, man. Yeah, the Mr. Woodman's shirt. Yeah, I got. <laughs> I was like, oh, I gotta have Tom back on the show. I gotta do something with <laughs> with the shirt. I can't just do a regular reveal, like an Instagram story or something. Everybody's um, been buying the shirts. People out here in California. Yeah, it's great. Black fits well. It's a large. Come on, come on. <laughs> Grab yours at uh, Tom Patelson on Instagram. Is there a link still in your bio? Uh, I don't think there is. I'll put it back <laughs> up in there, though. Yeah, if you want to uh, go to the Mr. Woodman uh, on Instagram. Amazing. And then the link will be in there. Wow. Okay. That. Okay. So now, so what is your, because you do so many different things, right? Yeah. Writer. Musician. Plays every instrument. Writer, musician, actor. Uh, YouTube host. Yeah, YouTube host, uh, podcast guest, really, <laughs> but also like it, with the digital space and, and you putting your thoughts out there and, and, and growing this massive following, um, you know, so what are, what are you spending most of your time on now? Creating new content and coming up with what I want to say on the show and not trying not to get repetitive, but trying to keep people giving them what they want. Someone asked me uh, over July 4th weekend. Um, he goes, do you, do you give your followers what they want? Are you looking for things to, uh, to grow your following? And I said, no, I want to say what I want to say and do what I want to do. And that will get me followers or it won't. Yeah. But I'm not following a trend or doing anything that will uh, specifically to get people. Yeah. I don't want to do something that is popular right now unless I like it. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes sense. Or if it's a hot movie yeah. and, it, and, it, and it makes sense because it is trending, but you would have done it anyways right. um, because you like those kind of, kind of movies or whatever the case. Um, I just, uh, I'm in the middle of reading Rick Rubin's book, you know, Rick Rubin producer, sure. um, the creative act. And, um, and he, he really speaks about um, doing what you love and how you can quiet the noise and just go, you know, to, he calls it tuning out. And um, because that commercial success, all these restrictions or like deadlines or budgets and stuff can, you know, mess with your mind as you're trying to create something that is supposed to be for you. And, um, and I think a lot of people have a hard time with that because it's like, okay, well, if I don't get this, if I don't, this isn't a massive success, maybe I won't get this opportunity again, but it's a lot of like, creating what success means to you. And I feel like I've always been really good at not listening to the good or the bad and still being able to evolve it to like my best creative person. But, um, but yeah, I love that you're, you're doing it for yourself. Um, cause like even, you know, at mastermind, we're all about strategy and how you can use these different things. But at, 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 at the core, it has to be something that you really deeply enjoy. Otherwise, all of, all of this attention that you're trying to gain doesn't really mean anything. You'll never even find happiness, which we've hear, heard so many people talk about, but some people, it just doesn't click with them. It's, it's, it know. takes a lot of soul searching. And I, I look at the, uh, my first 20 years in California uh, as doing just that. Because what I did when I came to California was try to get on television. 
And how I tried to do that was I would be in theater companies. I would become a part of improv groups. I would try stand-up comedy. I would try to do different things because what I wanted was to be on TV. What I should have been doing was doing what I love, which is acting and theater and writing and what and this and that. So during the pandemic when the world shut down and I just started to write out, I was like, okay, who are you and what do you want to do? What do you want to say? And I, I give you huge credit uh, for uh, bringing me into Mastermind and having me shoot videos. My first year worth of TikTok videos is just me dumping my thoughts into the camera. Yeah. So when I decided to take on the reins and do my own show, I was like, okay, this is who I am, what I like and what I want to talk about and what I want to do. Like it's, it's you know, do the, do the work. Do the work in your head on who you are and what you want to say, yeah. and the rest will start to fall into place. Yeah, I think you know if I think back to when, if I were to do that when I first moved here, because I was I was very like you know just focused on success. I'll make it. Watch, I'll make it for the first three years, and then I was like, you haven't done anything, bro. You've just been in the club. Like you can't. You can't. You made it to the club, um, but now you know. And as I got older and started thinking, now I have so much more to to say. I am dedicated to like educating myself and informing myself what's going on in the world and uh and then what i want to put out there and i still like you know um i'll make a mistake within you know writing a script and then kind of fall into old, old tropes or um kind of things that are in my mind that i don't even realize are in my mind and then i'll look at it from a distance and be like oh wow like no it kind of if you look at it properly you could see where you might have some blind spots that need some like evolving um you know putting out but that's what's great about putting out content into the world is seeing what the, the good thing about it is seeing what um, the impact that it does have. Um, but also the, the moment I just, I, I really figured out the artist I was, was when we did that, we did a, that concept trailer for Rudolph and the whole, um, at first we got so much love and I was like, Oh my God, this is great. People are loving this. And then 20% of the people started hating on it. And all the people came to how stupid are you for making this and all this stuff. And I'm like, Oh no. Uh, and it started going viral. There was, you know, um, articles written about me of how stoned must I have been when writing this and all of that. But then I realized, wait a second. And it's funny cause Rick Rubin talks about this too. If you divide people on if it's great or not, then you've done your job. You never want everybody to like it. Um, and now I look forward to that. I look forward, like, and it also creates more more heat because everybody's, it's the friction of everybody going back and forth. This is amazing, no it's not. If it starts the conversation, I think yeah. it's good. Yeah. It, if it wasn't gonna, yeah. If it, if it leaves no mark on anybody either way. Yeah, you're like, oh, that was cool, it's good. Yeah, the worst thing you could say is, oh, it's, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, good job. yeah. It's yeah. fine. Yeah, I think that's whiplash, does he say something like that? That's like the, the, the worst two words somebody could say to somebody is like, good job. Good job. <laughs> that was something I learned early on while doing theater. I hate, I hate, and I still do, hate doing a play and then walking out to see your friends that came to see the show. Because you're gonna make eye contact with them and they're not going to say nothing. They're gonna say, you know, they wanna tell you. And I never, I, I always tell young actors, I say, never ask anybody, what you think? Because if they're your friends, they'll lie to you. Don't force your friends to lie, and you'll see it in their face. Like, just thank them for coming. Yeah. Hey, thanks for coming. Yeah. If yeah, they yeah. want to say something nice, they will. But the last thing you want to do is put someone in a position to say, like, like uh, there's the classic, like, wow, you had a lot of lines. You had a lot of lines. That, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. set. Who made that? That's something. Was your clothing uncomfortable? Did they make a flap for a bathroom? <laughs> You know, shit like that. Yeah, yeah. Know. And there's, I think there's, you know, there's happy mediums maybe of someone saying, I, I think I heard somebody say one time, like, you know, it was, it was great to see you up there doing your thing. 
Wow, that's I've heard that before. Like, <laughs> you you just celebrate your joy. Yeah. Like you hated it, right? <laughs> you hated it. You could say you hated it. Listen, but yeah, there's going to be times like you have to make shit first, you know, and if you eventually you'll make stuff that is super profound and um, you have to grow into that most of the time. Some people are super talented out the gate. I wasn't. I was. I did a bunch of stuff that comes up in my Facebook, uh, <laughs> my Facebook memories. And I'm like, oh, OK, yep. Yeah, I don't understand the people that post that. Every time I see one of my old posts, I'm like, nope. And <laughs> yeah. no. Yeah. And that was dumb. That was me looking for attention. Mm-hmm. You know. But it also, yeah, allows you to grow, allows you to at least create something and then build upon that um, to start looking for the different types of shots or what have you. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I got a couple of things on my list I want to bring up. Last time we talked about a, uh, wait, first of all, did you join Threads yet? Threads is new. It's brand new. Have you joined it? You got me the text this morning. I got it three hours ago. I'm not on Threads yet. It's super important to get on it right now. Okay. Because the first people to an app benefit the most because there's not as uh, it's not oversaturated yet. And Instagram runs this. Uh, Instagram runs this. It created it. It's basically a clone of Twitter, but it has some different functionality on there. But the great thing about it is you basically transfer all of your data from your Instagram. You can follow everybody you're already following, and they'll get a notification that you followed them. So then they'll follow you back, and you'll get a lot of you'll get a lot of engagement off the off the bat. But it's but it's uh, it's been super interesting, and it's cool to see everybody on there like, oh my god, this is brand new. Let's figure this out. And they, I think they had 10 million subscribers in the first seven hours. So it's starting to grow exponentially. And I'm not sure what Elon Musk's next next move is. I don't think it's going to just wipe out Twitter, but it's going to do some damage. Um, so we'll see. I mean, the reason we're the reason we all jumped off of Twitter and onto Instagram because we we got tired of reading people's political posts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what happens to these apps is everybody jumps on there and says, well, "This is my chance to complain. This mm-hmm. is my chance to 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 beat my to beat my dead horse." Yeah. And people aren't willing to to go on to another app to see more of that stuff. Yeah, you know? my my the way that I'm looking at it cuz I always when I've uh thoughts that I want to put on, um, into, into vertical videos I want to create. Um, I was put in my notes app. I'm like, Oh, this is the thought. Now what I'm using it is almost as my, my notes. If I have like a, a thought that I want that I've been thinking about, I'll, I'll put it, I'll put it on there. And you know, in a small paragraph, you can do up to 500 characters, I believe, but then I can have it there. And when I want to go do vertical videos on that, I can also see how people engage with that. And like, Oh, people like this message. Oh, interesting. Fair. And, or maybe they even went back and forth and then I could do the long form or minute version of that in a video. You test the waters. Yeah, and see yeah. What kind of reaction? And you're I know getting. you have all of these thoughts too, and you know stuff that you put out. It might be a, a great opportunity as a writer as well. Um, right. So highly recommend that. I get on the thing. <laughs> I get on all the things. I trust you. Uh, so yeah. So last time we talked about um, the song by uh, Tracy Chapman, <laughs> <laughs> and it was amazing. Uh, Gabby, how's it going? So good. This is Gabby, everybody. She's uh, producing the podcast, been working with us for about two weeks. Thanks, um, Gabby. <laughs> have you heard the song Fast Car by Tracy Chapman? No, I haven't. I live under a rock. Okay. You don't. You're, just, you're, you're younger. That's what it is. Okay. I'll say younger because I don't want to say you're young because everyone's young compared to me. And not but. a fan of country music, I would assume. You know what? I grew up. In Maryland, which yeah. is kind of in the South, and a lot of people listen to country, and yeah. I had a country phase, and mm-hmm. then I was like, wait, do I actually like country? Well, so no. Yeah, so, well, <laughs> Luke Holmes recently did a rendition of it, and it's uh, it's grossed her, I think it's for her publishing, it's on like 500 
thousand dollars, something like that, um, already based on like the the attention that it's gotten. Um, but I don't want to talk about that song today. Last time we covered that song because it's it's always been a great song, but we went deep into the lyrics. And uh, this time I want to talk about a song. Um, have you ever heard the song "Oh My Darling Clementine"? I have. I have too. Oh, look at that! Look at that! How would you describe the song as far as like mood? I would say it's about disease and coal mining. Why would you ask? Is it? Yeah. How do you know? I'm old. <laughs> Did you know that? No, I thought that was like a happy I mean, childhood thought, song. Well, I know "Ring Around the Rosie" is like "Ring Around right. the Rosie" black is about death, the Black Plague. That's black true. Plague, exactly. Everyone dropped well done. dead. Well I'm done. not surprised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I love that you already knew it. Damn. Um, I know things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You ruined yeah. it. <laughs> well, yeah, I'll just read through some of these lyrics just so people can get a, a feel for what I was going for. Um, oh, my darling. Oh, my darling. Oh, my darling. Clementine. Clementine. You are lost and, and gone, gone forever. forever. <laughs> Dreadful sorrow. Clementine. In a cavern. In a canyon. Excavating for a mine. Dwelt a miner, 49er, and his daughter, daughter Clementine. Clementine. Yes, I loved her, how I loved her, though her shoes were number nine. Herring boxes without topses, sandals were for Clementine. Oh, my darling, back into the chorus. Uh, drove the horses to the water every morning just at nine. Hit her foot against a splinter, fell into the foaming brine. That's a, that's a, great, that's a great line, into the foaming brine. Mm -hmm. Ruby lips. Above the water, blowing bubbles soft and fine. But alas, I was no swimmer, so I lost my Clementine. Oh, my darling. Oh, my darling. Oh, my darling, Clementine. You are lost and gone forever. Dreadful sorrow, Clementine. You are lost and gone forever. Forever. Dreadful sorrow, Clementine. Why are we singing this in, in, in elementary school? Oh, my darling. Oh, my darling. Oh, my darling. Yeah. Well, I remember we sang it. And I can't remember who told us about the lyrics. But Wait, we sang, who sang it? Who sang it? We, like, well, I, I sang it in school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I remember singing it in school. And I think we sang the chorus and maybe one verse. Because it's catchy and it's easy for beginning singers to sing. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, row, row, row your boat. Right. But, it, yeah, it's it's quick and it's easy to learn. But, yeah, I think it was 10 or 15 years after that where I was like, what is the song about? <laughs> When we sang that, where? Yeah, we sing it like you know. What do they what do they call them when uh, when your you know class would do a what are they called? Right. What are they sing? called? Not um, a recital, but like a um, not a a program. Yeah, like uh, a program, like a you know everybody gets together and sings. Yeah, we had a, we had what well, we called them concerts because I played in band. Oh, concert! Yeah, it could be a little yeah, concert. Yeah, we, we concert. But in elementary school, I I get pictured like second, third grade singing that, and people in the audience with their cameras. And it says, oh, my, singing along. Yeah, holding up a cardboard ice cream cone or whatever the fuck, you know, <laughs> holding up something and doing hand gestures and things. Yeah. Yeah. Sick. It's interesting. Yeah. It just, these questionable decisions that people have made in the educational system um, are coming more and more clear every day. Well, this was back when, the, and I think the other reason you, you get it is because beginning history when, you're, when, you, uh, when you go to elementary school you learn about uh, folklore mm. first before you learn about facts. You learn about the first Thanksgiving and how the pilgrims sat down with the Indians. And sure, that happened. And I'm sure that's exactly what happened. And George Washington chopped down a cherry tree. And there's all of these mythical things. So, yeah, his daughter, you know, minor 49er, you learn about the gold rush. Yeah. 
you know, and so you kind of tart it down before you get up to middle school when you add dates, and then you get up to high school where you add theory and ideals, and then you go to college where you add thesis, and you break down everything. So you go from folklore to thesis mm. in, in your educational system. Hopefully. Hopefully, knock wood. <laughs> please. Yes, please knock wood on that, because uh, I think it's changed over the last uh, 20 years. Well, okay, uh, uh, this is what came up to me about, about the youth. Yeah. We just hired a brand new guy at the, at the bar that I work at, where I work at a wine bar, and he's in his 20s. He's an actor. He grew up here in, in California. He lives in Van Nuys. Nice. And he said, so what are the major changes you've noticed since you've been out here since 1998 in acting? And I was like, well, you used to have to print out your headshots. You used to have to buy headshots, and because actual printed paper is a lot of money, you used to have to get lithographs, and you could get 1,000 lithographs for a certain amount of money. He goes, what's a lithograph? And I said, a lithograph is a headshot printed on paper that is not photographic paper. It's just a print. He's like, and you used to have to print those? I was like, yeah, you had to print those. Then you printed out your resume, cut your resume paper down to 8 by 10 and staple it at the top, at the top and the bottom. And then you'd have to send those out to people. And his brain went. And what? the photo was black and white. A black and white photo, border or no border or borderless. And his brain just went, what did you have to do? Because he was like, well, what was better, though? What was better back then? And I went, nothing. <laughs> I'd rather self-tape. I'd rather send my headshots digitally. I'd rather not print things out. Everything about the industry that we're in is better now. Yeah. It's yeah. better now. If you do it right and you take advantage yep. of, of digital and everything, too. But he had no idea what I was talking about, uh, and why would he? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, so but yeah. You, you think there's some importance to knowing where it started? Just for nostalgia, to, you know, I, I hate people that, that wear it as a badge. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a Gen Xer, and I wear no badge about drinking from the hose. We drank from the hose and weren't allowed inside, and we jumped our bikes off BMXs off of milk crates. Who, who gives a shit? Yeah, yeah. It's not a pride thing. It's just what we did. You know, and the kids today are going to be doing stuff that they'll tell their kids. You know, it's the old, I used to lug ice up five, six flights of stairs. And I walked to this, I walked through this, walk through the snow both ways to get to school. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Uphill both ways. It's yeah. just what we did. It's yeah, not, yeah, it's yeah. not a, a contention of pride. It's you don't just, still have a hose outside? I don't have a hose. But we did drink from the hose because we weren't allowed to go back inside. Our parents yeah. were smarter than these parents. They kicked us outside. Like, yeah, just go play yeah. in the street. And we did. Yeah, yeah, it's That's interesting. Just a different yeah, thing. yeah. I guess it's you know it does maybe give perspective to understand like and be grateful for for all the different tools that we have, especially with the new generation and and maybe um, you know with the amount of time they're spending on screens and stuff, which isn't a bad thing unless it's a bad thing, and then you need balance and need to you know. There's nothing wrong with having more communication in the world. Yes, and getting getting uh, young kids communication devices so they can talk to kids in other countries to say, hey, they're just like me before the adults come and ruin it with all their dogma and ridiculous uh, warring religions over race and whatever. Like, cause, cause kids don't know or care. They want candy and soccer yeah, yeah, yeah. all around the world. And if they look and see other kids are like that, maybe the, the youth will change things. That's what we've always said, yeah. but it's never happened yeah. yet. Do you, do you feel like you live a pretty balanced life now that you're you know, staying busy with like doing the digital stuff and, and with acting and auditions? Obviously, we're, there's a strike um, going on with the writer's strike right now. But do you feel like you lived a, a, a balanced life with everything that you're, you know, personal and professionally and all that kind of stuff? I have, every time I talk to someone 
like when I went home to Denver for Mr. Woodman and I meet old friends who have worked at the same job for 30 years and done the same thing for 30 years and they got married right away and they had kids and stuff like that. And I think about the things that I've done, tried, failed, tried again and done things. I have a pretty well-rounded educational life from living in just two places. Sure. From trying things and failing at things and experiencing life from different, from rather than you grow up one place, you live in that place, and then you die in that place. You know, I only moved to California, but my experience level is massive compared to a lot of people I grew up with just because I moved. Yeah. I think when you stay sedentary or you get a bunch of money and you move out of a city and you become isolationist, I think that's the worst thing you could do that'll make you more angry, that'll give you more, uh, yeah, as far as being well-rounded. Yeah, and then in, unless it's more like... More people, more yeah. people, more things, more experience, more and more and more. And as far as me working on what I'm working on now... I am delightfully buried most of the time. I love that. Delightfully buried. Delightfully buried. I got up this morning to do my workout on Zoom with Trip, and afterwards jumped on to edit my episode with Trip, and then put it on Insta, put it on uh, YouTube. And before you know it, I had to get my car to come see you, which is awesome. And then I'm going to go and do this and that and the other thing. Yeah, I'm delightfully buried on my uh, on my YouTube show content. I, I it feels good when I work. Yeah. I love setting up the lights. I love setting up the camera and putting on the microphone and talking to camera and saying why well, I love this movie. Like what, you know, here's this board game I enjoy. Here's a, here's a weird thought I had. I, I love it. I love creating rather than waiting like I used to to get let in to a, to a room where people, uh, you know, where you stand under the lights and you see people in the darkness that you have to read a piece of script to and they don't say anything and you leave and you're like, gee, I hope they let me in. I hope they let me in to come play their games. Yeah. I can, no, I create my own content. I have my own show. You can see it on YouTube. That's where it is. The Tom Battelson Show. Tom Battelson Show. Yeah. Yeah, that's, 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 it took a long time for it to click for me too. I, I was always, you know, trying to write something. I remember even writing my first script and uh, I think it was called The Alphabet. <laughs> with my friend Will. We sent it to send it to you. It was probably formatted so wrong. And I, um, I remember that. Yeah, it was it was about a um a guy that had it was like a, a bet that this guy, like a Jonah Hill type character or something like that, would go out and had to um I forget how much money he would win, but he had to sleep with with somebody from with every letter of the alphabet. Yes, yeah, that's you had to try. I almost said that. I was like, I remember this. Yeah, it was it's like a winner. It's yeah. a winner. <laughs> No, it's good. Um, we're trying to write a comedy, but at least getting out there and trying to just write something, yeah. you know, um, and, uh, but, you know, eventually finding, you know, and that's what I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that I was always hard headed. I was always going to try something and put something out there and was just like, no, this is dope. This is amazing. Even if it wasn't and in, you know, and I'm, I'm glad that I had that mindset now looking back, it's, it's funny, but I'm proud of that. I, I like keeping all that stuff on my Instagram. You can scroll back to 2012 and be like, what were you doing? You know, but. I love seeing the growth. I want to see the growth. I'm not, I don't want to be this perfectly branded person that like, you know, you can't, you know, has never wronged anything. Cause I, I, I want people to understand that you have to put stuff out there. You have to grow and you're never, you're not just a one trick pony. You got, you, you know, and I, I was thinking about this earlier. Let's see what you think about this. Do you think that, so if, the, if, if ideas come from the universe, get these ideas, right? They're floating. And then you actually put one And a lot of people get the same ideas. Some people think, oh, this is, you know, oh, this is my idea. Oh, he did my idea. But that idea is given to several people, Fair. right? You get this idea and you, and you, and you think about it and you make it and you put it out into the world. And then you keep on doing that. Wouldn't you theoretically become 
like a highlighted source amongst people to get more ideas, to get better ideas, if it's gonna keep on putting it back into the universe, but you're like a trusted source. I agree with that sentiment because the opposite of that is to keep completely closed and you wind up doing things like I shot a, uh, I shot an independent film for a friend of mine who wrote a script and it never got made and it never even got finished editing because they switched editing people because one guy wanted a piece of it and said like, I'm not, I'm not doing this unless I sign off to make sure I get a percentage of it for this and that. One guy said, well, I want a percentage of this and that of the stuff that I shot. Well, I'm not shooting this like that. So we're like, we're all protecting ourselves to get, make sure we get our piece of the pie. And then no pie got made. Yeah, 100% of zero is still zero. It's still zero. Yeah. But you should just put it out there. And if something happens, like every actor that says like, oh man, back in the day, I can't believe I, I lost all that money and uh, I made a bad business decision. Well. If they hadn't have done that, we wouldn't be seeing them tell that story. I'm so, I, I made a horrible decision on my, on my first business, first LLC I made. I gave 10% of the company to somebody who was promising me the moon. He was there kind of mentoring me through some of the beginning phases. And once he saw that other people were interested in jumping on and making this thing, he's like, you know, get 10%, I'll bring in investors. As soon as he signed on, disappeared. And I was like, awesome, great. I was furious. I was listening to... Uh, um, I forget what, what song was it. Um, can't think of it. But I was just at the gym, just like, oh, I can't believe he did this, right? Eventually, I changed the name and created a new company so I could cut him out. But now I have two companies and then worked on that company for the next year. And it, be, it eventually didn't work out. So I lost everything. And that allowed me to have the business knowledge and the new creative knowledge and the knowledge of social media to then pivot and create Mastermind Media. It is so I'm process. so grateful for that moment. Yes. And now I'm able to see like, oh, you know, I'm not, not mad at him anymore. I'm able to evolve and forgive and forget. And uh, well, maybe not forgive, I'm still talking about it. That's uh, a, well, that's, yeah. a, that's a very, uh, that's a very an adult and rich, wise thing to say and to believe because you know, you think about the terrible things that have happened in your life, let's say with a relationship. All of those relationships that failed needed to happen in order for us, for you and I to be sitting here talking at all, much less my life the way it is. Sure. Honor your past, even the parts that were bad, honor it by saying it was necessary. Sadly that, you know, these were horrible things, but. But they, they force you to evolve. They I'm did. so grateful for the darkest moments. Yeah. They're fucking tough, man, but. <sighs> Honoring your past. I think that might be the title of Mastermind this. Mastermind Media. It's the greatest water I've ever drank in my life. Sure. It's water. Or is it? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for the new ad. <sighs> Delicious. That. You ever uh, you ever go on a dinner in a movie? <laughs> <laughs> I was I was worst <laughs> segue ever. <laughs> uh, I was gonna I was gonna bring it up like, you know, within the balance thing. It was gonna be like a you know, like do you take time to like, you know, you know, go out and see movies and see new things. And like, how you spend time with your lady? Like, what is right. it? You know, but uh, I thought that would be funnier. One of the things I, I came up with while stoned, because what I do is get stoned and then tape all of my weird thoughts and ideas. Mm -hmm. Which, uh, see, it's yeah. a great idea. It's, it's like, the best way to tap into this creative source that you're talking about. You it opens you up. It does. We used have you done the, have you done the, the Patreon yet? No, I have not. Oh, what, he's he's going to do a Patreon where you can see his... Baked Genius is the name of the files. So you'd see him in that state. You'd get that So every version. time I go to my bathroom yeah. to get stoned and I got a weird idea, I'll just, I'll film myself doing it. So I have 50 little videos of me doing that. And when I get a Patreon page, I will drop those videos as a part of a, of, of, of a, of a level. I think, I think that should be something soon. 
Um, I've seen a lot of people have a lot of success making three to five grand a month. And I mean, I definitely wanted to start the yeah. show to let people know what they were what they were buying. Sure. You know, I'm 34 episodes in. I want to let people know, like, before you tell me what you, you know, thanks for your donation. Here's the show. Yeah. Here's yeah, what yeah. You're, you're helping I out with. I see that. That's great. Anyways. But Sorry, one of them like, is uh, talking about dinner and a movie. And mm. back in my day of growing up in, in high school in the 80s, it was dinner and a movie. You'd go to the mall and you'd have dinner at the Chili's and then you'd take your date uh, to the movie. That's what I still do. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with dinner and a movie. And I started thinking about, well, why is dinner and a movie a good date? Mm. Because what a lot of people say is, well, you don't really get any talking done in the movie. You're yeah, you just don't watching wanna, a you, movie. You don't want to do just a movie. Right. Because, you know, after all, you're not doing any talking. You're not getting any communication. But here's what a movie does. A movie will tell you so much about a person you just met and took on a date. Do they laugh in the movie? Do they not laugh in the movie? Is it a crying movie? Did they shed a tear? Did you take her to see a superhero movie? And she went, oh, give me a break. Did they laugh? Did they cry? You're taking this art form that we all love of going to the movies should be an emotional roller coaster of one way or the other. You're going to laugh, you cry, you, you're excited, your anxiety. Are they never scared? Do you take her to see a horror movie and she's, she doesn't flinch? That tells you a lot about a human being. The whole time not, you're like... Whether or not they jump. <laughs> yeah. Whether or not they're easy to cry mm. at a sad movie. Whether or not they're a good laugher. Whether or not they're cynical. Sitting next to someone in a movie while going on the emotional roller coaster ride tells you a lot about a human being. That's why dinner in a movie is still a great choice for yeah. a first date. And even saying, like, maybe on the, on the back end of that, their thoughts on the movie. Um, and seeing how... That compares with your thoughts. Oh, totally. Because you know, you, you'll know that. if you match up with somebody if you yeah. loved a movie and they didn't. Yeah, if your if your arms on the armrest and if it touches theirs, by the little hand on the. No. I was gonna say if they, well, also yeah. W what do they eat in the movie theater? Are they a mm -hmm. popcorn person? Yeah. Do they eat popcorn? Are they candy? Are they chocolate and popcorn like they should be? Like every good American should. No. Wait. <laughs> what, what do you do? What do you like? You're if if you had, this was your last movie. What would you order walking in? If it was my last movie? Your last movie, you can order whatever you want to go and enjoy. What kind of food and drinks do you have? In? Uh, like most people, uh, for movies, uh, a Reuben sandwich. No. Uh, <laughs> it's like, what are you, George on Seinfeld? <laughs> my lady and I go to the movies a bunch because I review a lot of movies for the channel and stuff, and I've discovered the perfect movie snack is the lollipop. Is it last the whole time is a great snack to have so we'll go to the candy store around the corner from the theater and get a bunch of candy for cheap and i get peanut butter cups that is always my choice a peanut butter cup and then a lollipop two or three lollipops like the jolly rancher lollipops last a long time stick you can throw away and yeah i guess i'm pretty basic when it comes to stuff i don't need any yeah. kind of grand thing i love popcorn but not all the time i guess but i'll eat yeah. the whole popcorn i'll get a large extra large doesn't matter. I'll eat the whole thing before the end of the first act. Oh, and I, uh, I love the whatever shitty artificial butter they have. That's fantastic. I know it's gross, and I don't care. Yeah, just cake that on. Far too much salt. Yeah, love popcorn. I haven't gotten it in a while. Yeah, yeah. The lollipop. Catch me at the movie theater with my walnuts and a big water. <laughs> my new diet. Shit. My new cleanse my gut. Just, just eat these. You want some popcorn? No, thanks. Working on solid poo over here. Thanks, though. Appreciate you. <laughs> Appreciate it. Working on the solid poo. Um, but yeah, dinner and a movie. Yeah, well, I'm so glad I brought that up. It is. What a great idea you had. 
thank you. That's uh, you know just something I was thinking about. Um, let me see here. Uh, da, 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 da. Well, yeah, since we're about this um, now as an actor, yeah, <laughs> as an actor, right? There's a lot of different techniques out there. There are many clubs in one's bag. I yes. always I always use a golf analogy, even though I'm not a, a golfist. Mm-hmm. But yeah, which 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 club do you need for the shot that you need? And there is a lot of uh, emphasis right now since 1950 on the method, which comes from Stanislavski's The System, mm-hmm. method acting, where you believe and you have an emotional reaction. You try to enter the thoughts and feelings of the person in the show by using real memories that you have to unlock things, to cry, to laugh, to feel anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I've come to the conclusion that the acting has been around for centuries and centuries and centuries. Method acting's brand new. From 1950 till now, it's only been around for 70, 80 years. Yeah, I learned uh, Stanislavski in, when I took a semester in, at community college. That was yeah. like one of the books we, we studied. Yeah, method acting is dangerous horse shit. Mm. So I thought there's many clubs. There are. Is, is it dangerous horseshit for you or for everyone? I think it's dangerous horseshit for everyone and should mm-hmm. not be taught anymore. And I think I've got the... Well, look at it this way. I'm doing something phony, but I'm accessing real emotions and having real tears and real effect. I'm faking my body to cry for something that is imaginary. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing it for a paycheck. So I'm warping my system to cry on a day when I wouldn't normally cry, when I'm doing a job and I'm pretending to cry, but I'm actually crying. I'm actually laughing about something or feeling fearful or fearing anxiety or must be called the name of my character throughout so I can fake my brain into believing I'm someone else. Mm. You are warping your brain on purpose to get a paycheck. And I think that is horseshit. Mm. So, what what is your approach based on something? So, if it is a and and a lot of people mistake like, oh, this is a you know, I'm a I'm a great actor, I can cry. That's like that's not if it's a true emotion that comes out in the scene. You're saying that's that's okay, but it's got to be based on, or is that part of the uh, method that you're saying? I think it's fake, and we should be doing it fake. I don't think you should actually cry unless you're sad that day. Mm. If something happens, you have a natural reaction to something or whatnot. I think we should fake it. We should go back to more classical acting mm-hmm. and just fake it rather than torture your brain into believing something that isn't real. Yeah. And think about the people that are really good at method acting. Mm-hmm. Are they the most stable bunch you've ever heard of? No, of course not. No, they're fucking batshit. Yeah. Well, I think they're fucking batshit well, crazy, and they should be because they are torturing their brains. Daniel Day Lewis quit mm-hmm. acting, retired. Famous method actor, famous torturing his soul, famous damaging his body, famous, I mean. Well, here's the thing, though. So if, if you're, if you're, because um, I totally see what you mean. I think there's, you know, because if, if the definition of acting, would you agree that the, the definition of acting is living truthfully in the imaginary uh, circumstances of the world? I wouldn't say living because it's manufactured. It's not life. Hmm. Living comes from life, and it's not an actual life. You, you are telling a story. Acting comes and goes all the way back to when we gathered around the fire to tell the tales of the day's hunt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those were the first actors. Oh, that was the say. first actors, but now it's evolved into something. Right. It used to be like, you should have seen Tobar. 
Tobar had a great shot. Do it, Tobar. Do the thing. And he had to get up there and do his thing. And that was the first play, was yeah. telling about the hunt. And now it's developed this thing. It's like, you have to, you have to call me Tobar for the rest of the day. Well, and I can't talk to other people because I need to be in this mood. I need to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stare into a candle till my eyes get all messed up because I need to feel about that. And I'm not going to sleep the night before. So my body is actually in danger of being unhealthy to tell a story. Yeah, I think if it's, because here's the thing, if you'd go like Heath Ledger was known for not turning it off, and then after the movie, couldn't turn it off, and yeah. medication and stuff. So I think there's levels to it, because um, like, based on how I approach acting is like to make it real, right? That's where, it, like the the coach Aaron Spizer that has resonated most, most with my style, and um, uh, you know, to, to make something real um, in these scenes. So I think, you know, if you are going in 100%, that's where it gets super, and it may be even 80% or 70 or something like that. Um, in my experience, I've used, you know, my past experiences to develop, help develop feelings. But sometimes I can imagine, I can imagine the fake circumstances and be able to get there based on what's going on in this person's world, still tricking my body and my brain. However, based on the performance that resonates with other people, based on how real it is, can make a positive impact in how they view it based on, you know, like the, uh, based on what's ever going on in the movie or in the scene, they could see somebody else's side of the story versus if it went, went back to like, you know, the 1950s acting where it was, um, you know, not as real, I guess. Um, it's, uh, it was performance acting. Performance Performative acting, yeah. acting. But back to my golf analogy, mm -hmm. there are plenty of actors out there who don't have many clubs. They have one. Yeah. They have the method acting club and they're failing when they try to do a comedy and they are failing when they try to do something uh, written by David Mamet mm -hmm. or trying to do something classical. It's not working because it's not that it's not the club you need to do something to do a Neil Simon play. You need to understand rhythm and beat sure. and to understand comedy comes in threes and do all these things that he does. And you're because what you're doing is you're acting a piece of music that someone has written. Yeah. And if you think, well, I'm going to. I'm going to switch the lines around and my character wouldn't say that. So I'm going to cross out this line because I'm so deep in this thing. And I've got my backstory of when I had my sand, uh, sand kicked in the face in the sandbox when my character was four, even though it's not in the script, I'm just going to add everything and add everything and add everything. Yeah, yeah. It's becoming revered mm -hmm. that we love these actors that torture themselves and are basket cases. Yeah. We love, you know, we love saying like, Oh, Shia LaBeouf, he's, he's really out there, really gets into his character. Okay. Like, yeah, do, yeah, should we yeah. really be revering these people that maybe won't be with us as long as sure. some of the other actors because yeah. of this torturous behavior to their brains? Yeah, I can totally see that. I think I think it's got to be a balance. And this is, you know, coming from an extremist, um, you know, because you do see those people and they're the ones that people are like, oh, my God, the performance and all oh, yeah. that kind we, of stuff. We love it. We yeah. revere it. We're, yeah. we, we put the method at the top and there are no other yeah, yeah. Or no other clubs. Yeah. So, well, yeah, he's method. So, um, but I would say, I would say, cause if it's a short term sacrifice and it's not detrimental to your health, um, and that short term sacrifice allows you to live truthfully in this moment. And then on the other side of that, once you're able to recoup fully and get those emotions out, which also could be therapeutic to yourself, um, and help you be more evolved as a person based on, um, playing somebody else and looking at the world through their lens, then that could potentially even you know, make you a more evolved human afterwards and also help share that story so other people could view it as well. 
So yeah. I so, mean, as far as being an emotional thing, but I'm, I'm talking about from a, from a teaching perspective. Yeah, yeah. When we're teaching young kids, because mm-hmm. it will all it will all start with the kids, with the youth again. Yeah, especially because they have the biggest imaginations because they don't have the society coming down on them yet and changing their whole perspective and having all these outside voices. They're where they are and they can play. Yeah, and they think, oh, this is oh, look, it's an astronaut. And in the in, <laughs> in the method acting, it's called sense memory. Mm-hmm. You're drawing upon a sense memory, that yeah. something that happened to you that you can tap into. What nine year old has a sense memory of anything? Right, right. Yeah, it's more imagination. You know, they haven't happening. had a chance to have experiences to tap into, so they should just fake it, and they mm-hmm. do. Which is why we give kids more leeway for not being tortured method actors of you know. We love the tortured in our society. Mm-hmm. We love tortured artists. We love tortured musicians. We love tortured painters. We love tortured poets. We love people who bleed for yeah. our enjoyment, and we thank them for it by buying their stuff. Yeah, yeah, we it's love it. Yeah, have you ever seen the um, the audition of uh, the kid in E.T. Elijah Wood? Uh, no, that's no, not Elijah no. Wood. Um, nope, I can't remember the name of the. Kid. Yeah, have you ever seen the the audition? No. Um, it's you know, and that's what's that's what's interesting, and I, and I totally hear what you're, what Actually, you're no, saying. Actually, no, I have seen it because yeah, they make him cry. <laughs> yeah, he cries in it, and it's like you know, so it's like at that point, it's like wow, look at how like how you know evolved he is already, or you know, and I think it's not sense memory at that point. He's probably just thinking he's seeing an alien and being like, oh my god, I'm losing him, like, and he's able to tap into it because he has this great imagination, um, and he hasn't been tortured by yeah. the rest of the world yet. Yeah, so, so what he, would you say to that if he's just making it real, but it's based on his imagination? Is it is it more about the teaching of this is method and this is the greatest and this is what you got to do and you should do this always? Because um, I see, you know, even with people got to call you on that on set and like, I'm not going to get out of character ever. That's super dangerous. So I, I agree with you. If it's if it's 100% or close to 100% and you're hurting yourself and, it, and you're not going to be able to pull yourself out. Because after doing a scene in acting class, if it's super dark scene, yeah, I'm still like the next day, I'm kind of like, you know, tired. <laughs> You know, it's yeah, if, if it's a heavy emotional scene talking about a rich subject or something or a terrifying subject yeah, or whatever yeah. that can that can damage you. But as far as as kids go, um, and it bugs me, I can't remember that kid's name. Henry Thomas. Henry Thomas. Yes. Thank you for that. See that producer? Boom, boom. You play him. Um, yeah, when you tap into a kid, you have to do everything you can. It's the big rule about acting in theater: you don't act with animals or children. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But with kids, you just, yeah, you've got to, whatever, however gets you home, you know, whatever you, whatever you need to do to get the kid to do the thing is what you do. And I don't know whether or not that's good or bad because there were no children back in the Shakespearean days. You cast adults as kids and you cast men as women. I mean, yeah, but having actual kids doing actual crying experiences about torturous things is, is a, is a sticky wicket. Yeah. I was just going to say that sticky with nobody, nobody Nobody calls it that that anymore. anymore. Um, But, uh, but yeah, so I I totally see where you're coming from. I would say within that golf bag that um, I think it's a useful tool to make it real. If that's your, your, your way of acting, which is like mine. Um, However, I could see, you know, do you think movies would be as successful if we went back and listen, history repeats itself. So that style of acting might come back anyways. Do you see it in any other films or TV shows where they're doing that kind of acting? Uh, I don't think there are a whole lot of method actors on shows like The Office. Because mm. when you see all of the outtakes of them laughing of course, and they're yeah. just having a good time, I'm like, they're all playing straight. They're all playing the straight man. They're all playing it completely emotionless. They're staring at a camera. They're saying nothing. And everything is very direct and very straight. Mm-hmm. That is all on the writing and all <clears> on the improv. Yeah. 
I don't think anybody, you know, not to, to diss their performances, saying that they're not rich, well-rounded characters sure. on shows like that, but I don't think they are in comparison to other shows. So I think that would be an example. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. It's not as heavily method. Yeah. You know, Reno 911 shows like that are heavily on the improv. Yeah, comedies Um, as a whole, I think. Yeah, yeah, comedies are about about rhythm, about timing. Yeah, yeah. Because I I remember, you know, I'm always drawn to the deep, dark, depressing shit. (laughs) I don't know (laughs) what it is about me, but um, I always love that kind of stuff. But when we did um, that web series, that pilot we threw together last minute, The Rub, just being on there and laughing our asses off and playing the silly characters and stuff. It was just like, that was one of my favorite times being on set doing anything. Cause it's just like, you know, it's what we do anyways, or we would do behind the bar and stuff together. Yeah, just try to make, yeah, effortless, make each other laugh. And I think comedies don't get as much respect as you know, like the Oscar award winning drama, Dallas Buyers Club, where you lost all the weight and all of that super, you know, but Christian Bale, Christian Bale, Christian Bale is my favorite actor. I think Christian Bell is a great actor, and I, I, it's dangerous though. When you see him, like you know, every now and then you see him in an interview, you see him be volatile, and you'll see him go go off the rails, and then you'll see him be really nice. You know, it's like he's your typical method actor. He he's he's extreme. Yeah. On all the extremes, which yeah, you want from an emotional actor if that's what you're going for. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's the there's this there's the famous scene from the Marathon Man with. Uh, Sir Lawrence Olivier and Dustin Hoffman, you know the story. People yeah. watching it will know this story already, but mm-hmm. yeah, Dustin Hoffman's character had stayed up the night before and was being tortured and things like that, and so Dustin Hoffman didn't sleep the night before and didn't eat and damaged his body and came into work looking like holy hell. Mm-hmm. And Sir Lawrence Olivier, a classical actor trained in classical acting and known for it, said like, what are you, what are you doing? And Dustin Hoffman said that, and his response was, why don't you try acting? Like that's a that's a heck of a moment and yeah, a perfect yeah. thing, because they're both in it and they're both brilliant and one is a classical actor and one is a method actor. Yeah, yeah. They're both putting on spectacular performances. Mm. So Laurence Olivier feels nothing. He's just doing the part and as terrifying as that character. Interesting. I actually didn't know that story. I don't know why I was thinking. You know um, that one? No, I thought that's I was. A, that's an old one. I don't. You said Dustin Hoffman, right? I don't know why I was thinking uh, Woody. Uh, Woody Harrelson. No. Woody Allen, oh. when he when he threw the when he threw the vase at the wall, I um, know that one. Uh, it was. I don't think it was not in sleeping or anything like that. I forget. It was he who was he in the film with like Diane Keaton or something like that. What's one of his? I forget. But um, there was a, a famous scene where he Annie just, Hall. Is uh, I think it was. Yeah, and uh, there was a scene there at I think a restaurant or near a table or something, and he just went for it and you know went with. The, whatever was on his mind whatever he thought and threw a, a vase and it broke on the wall and like she was super pissed off afterwards like what are you doing man we're acting we're not like it's not real yeah um but it's also at the same time i remember you know being in class when you when you don't know what somebody's gonna do even as long as they're trained well and you know they're actually not going to but you're able to suspend your mind and um you know you're you feel like you're watching something that is real it does something to you as well as a viewer if you're making a surprising choice and you surprise the other actor by doing something, that's one thing. But if you if it's violent and if dangerous, if you put someone in danger yeah. or something, yeah, this is just make believe. I've I have a lot of respect for actors who say like, "Cut, no, we're not doing this nonsense." Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You know? Yeah, I'm trying to go home after this. Yeah, I, I, I back in back in the, the theater days, I've worked with actors who say like, you know, well, when it comes time for the belly punch, uh, just really hit me. And I go, no. 
no, I really, I need it for my character to really get hit me. And I was like, we're doing this show twice a week for four weeks. No, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna punch you. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, you, you need to get in this realm. I'm gonna be this guy and I'm gonna be like, because we revere it. We revere the torturedness. Yeah. Um, Gabby, what do you, so you're, she's currently in school um, for this. And uh, I don't know if we wanna say the name of the school, but like, what are they teaching you there based on this kind of stuff? Well, we're not learning specific methods at right now, but today we just did, we had to write our biography and tell the story and he's trying to get it. You should write a biography for a character, make a life out of it, not necessarily saying use your own life to tap into emotional, um, to, you know, summon that emotion, but right. more so, I guess the word that I would use, we haven't used it exactly, is empathic imagination. Mm -hmm. So if you are the character, you are building the character's perception and you are essentially living the life as a character, there is no you or maybe it starts with you because Meryl Streep is like, you are in everyone mm -hmm. and it builds off of that. So it's really... Yeah, I, I always I, I always f feel mostly like myself. If I'm Even if the character is way different than I, then it, I think that's what kind of makes it much more real. There's a book by David Mamet called True and False. My teacher talked about that. Yeah, it is a book. It's a tiny little bathroom reader written by David Mamet tearing apart the method like mm -hmm. and how much he hates it and how he doesn't use the words that I use calling it dangerous horseshit. But yeah, uh, yeah, just yeah. How, <laughs> I, but I like, totally get it. Well, yeah. my, my character believes in that. Like your character doesn't exist. You don't have a character. I wrote your character. Your character is the sum total of what he says. I know that because I wrote it and here it is. Mm -hmm. It's well, stuff but, like that, which is pretty hard. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't think I'm there. Because it has to, be, I, I believe it has to be a true collaboration. If yeah, I'm writing a story and, and I bring you to it, I want you to bring your truth to it. And I'm going to change it because of who I am and vice versa. Every yeah. actor is going to bring who they are and there's, that's unavoidable and should be cultivated yeah. without being dangerous. Yeah, yeah, Indeed. that's it. That's the, that's the True thing. and False is a great book. Yeah, I'm going to read it. We also yeah. have to wrap up. So. All right. Ah, that's well, ladies and gentlemen, that was uh, the Rodriguez Project here. <laughs> Give me a, uh, can you can you sign us out and tell everybody where you where they can find you? But do it in uh, maybe I don't know Stewie's voice. <laughs> no, I can't. do it. Okay, Make fine. Do, do, do it in uh, any of your favorite Family Guy. I mean, do it in all of your Family Guy uh, voices. I don't do it in all of my Family Guy voices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can find Tom Batelson. You can find me at Tom Batelson on uh, Instagram with the um, uh, on TikTok, and you can find me on YouTube at the Tom Batelson Show. And everybody, I tell, just type in Tom Bottleson, and you'll find me. Because I no longer have a hang-up of the pronunciation of my name. I don't care. Anymore. Yes, yes. You, you know, you avoided it, or you, you corrected people for so long, and then oh, yeah, yeah. I no longer, I no longer say it because yeah. I would, it's one of my buddy's favorite story. We were at the same audition together and uh, he just shouts out some guy like, Thomas Bertelson. And I go, right here. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, call me what you want. Um, but uh, well, yeah, thank you so much for doing this, Dude, man. thank you for having me on the show. Love talk, love talk. First time, two time. I'm telling you, it went by like that. Yeah, Jeez. yeah, it did. Uh, Gabby had to stop us. No, I'm joking. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll have you back soon. It's maybe let's do like a. I think like a. I wanted to have you on my show to do a top ten list. Of course. Top ten favorite sports movies. Okay. I think is your top ten list. I like that. Yeah, let's do I it. knew you would. Yeah, I yeah, knew yeah. Have that on that. That'd be great. Excellent. Let's definitely do that. And uh, and then maybe next time we'll maybe like a, we'll have a rapid fire here, something like that. Five topics. I don't know. Something cool. So now we've done a stone app. 
a non-stone depth. No, let's change the keep on changing the format. Keep on for, well, yeah, you know? we'll do we'll do a, we'll do a structured format next time, which let's is instead it. of freewheeling it like we've been doing. You got it. All right. Love it. And uh, you can find me at Mark Rodriguez TV and us at Mastermind Media. Thank you, Gabby. Thanks, How we Gabby. do? What'd you think? I hope I did it right. <laughs> But I had a blast. We're Thanks for including me in the combo. Like I'm, I'm, I'm hoping we, do, I'm hoping this has been recorded. She's like, I was like, like, what do you think of the show? It's like, oh, well, you, it was cool to see both of you guys doing your thing. Like it was like really, at the end of a theater. Play. Yeah, it was really good. Uh, th- those costumes are great, and um, none of these lights were on. Did that mean anything? I love that you're doing your thing. Mm, do that thing. You're do that so thing. good. You're so good at it. You're in your joy. Mm-hmm. If there's one thing, we're gonna do our thing gonna say that's the thing uh thank you guys so much for watching please watch well, we have to see if you're on you know it's audio you, you can watch after you know <laughs> but please subscribe please rate the podcast please follow tom and everything he's doing um thank you again man we'll see you all next time love it peace peace out